0: VI Shots Podcast, episode number 36. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of VI Shots. My name is Michael Iva Leotis, and this is the show devoted to the world of LabVIEW. With each episode, I bring you interviews, discussions, and share with you ideas on software engineering with LabVIEW. Well, thank you all again for joining me on this episode of VI Shots. I'm your host, Michael Iva Liotis, and this uh, episode has already been recorded. It has been recorded last week where uh, I held um, a live VI Shots episode with uh, some guests, uh, Jack Dunaway, Chris Ralph and Darren Nattinger, and the four of us had a discussion on LAVU as a sustainable career. Sustainable careers in LAVU was the was the title of the, the session. And this is a first, a first time we uh, I've done something like this. We used Google Hangouts, and there were some technical difficulties, but in the end, it worked out well. And uh, it looks like we'll be doing more of these more of these um, Shots live sessions. Uh, we had video. had a video f- a stream, and we also were accepting questions from the audience. So it was a lot of fun, a lot of interaction. If you want to get notified as to when the next VI Shots Live will happen, just go to vishots.com slash subscribe and uh, join the VI Shots mailing list, and uh, I'll send an email out when uh, the next one is going to happen. Before I uh, play the actual um, audio for that session, and that's what this whole episode today is going to be. You're going to listen to the audio from that um, that live, that VI shots live session. Uh, before I get into that, I like to cross promote something um, something personal that I'm do- that I've been doing uh, since about June of last year. Uh, I've had another podcast. Uh, Those that are listening to this might be listening to other podcasts and you might not be aware that I also have an entertainment podcast called The Walking Dead Girl and you can get information on that at thewalkingdeadgirl.com and as the title says it, uh, it is actually a podcast dedicated to the TV show The Walking Dead. So if you are fans of that show and you want to hear analysis of each episode as it airs, you can uh, go over to TheWalkingDeadGirl.com and listen to the podcast that I do there, which I actually do with my 17-year-old uh, now year old daughter. She was 16 when we started this, and now she's 17. But yeah, uh, with my daughter Jasmine. And uh, it's basically a father-daughter podcast. And uh, we do that um, every week. Uh, Whenever there is a Walking Dead TV episode. So, if you want to see a different side of me, a different uh, aspect of some of the hobbies that I'm into, and uh, a little bit of discussion about my personal life and some of the things that, um, you know, Jasmine and I talk about on that podcast are pretty fun and entertaining. So, if you are interested in listening to that, go over to thewalkingdeadgirl.com. And now we'll uh, get into uh, playing back the VI Shots Live. Uh, from last week, and uh, here it is. Enjoy. The first person I'd like to introduce is uh, who is the one who um, helped get this going. Without without his help, uh, this would have just stayed a dream, uh, and it would be just an idea in my head uh, if it wasn't for the help and encouragement of Jack Dunaway from uh, Wirebird Labs, and I'm happy to introduce him right now. Jack, welcome, and thank you for co-hosting Eye Shots Live. Yeah. Hey, Mike.
1: Uh, likewise, it's it's really exciting uh, to get to work with you on this. Uh, it's it's really an opportunity for us uh, to reach out to other LabVIEW developers. Uh, not necessarily in the presentation sort of a way. Uh, like a lot of us are very familiar with the technical webcast, and we're familiar with going to the user group meetings. Uh, but this is uh, this is more than just that. This is more than just the technical aspects of engineering with LabVIEW. Uh, this is getting into more of the uh, professional and then even uh, personal aspects of it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited uh, to get to work with you putting on the show. Uh, also having a new guests every week uh, to talk about uh, just LabVIEW in general. What's on your mind?
0: Yeah, and as uh, Jack mentioned, um, he'll be with us. Uh, he'll be, Jack will be with me co-hosting this, this show uh, on, a mon- on a monthly basis. At least that's our plan. And uh, for each show, we'll have rotating guests. Other guests will come in, uh, but Jack will uh, will always be there. So we can't get rid of him, <laughs> unless uh, he, unless he gets bored or decides not to not to join us anymore. Um, oh, oh come on, <laughs> come
1: on, Mike! As if that's gonna
0: happen. Yeah, how can you get bored yeah. of Lavia, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so speaking of rotating guests. Um, <laughs> our our first guest that I'd like to introduce is uh, Christopher G. Ralph, who's a chief architect at VI Engineering, a National Instruments Platinum Alliance partner, uh, he's a CLA, CTD, CPI, and of course a LabVIEW champion. Uh, Chris, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Mike and Jack. It's great to be here.
0: And we also have Darren Nettinger. Uh, Who's a principal engineer, a CLA, and uh, with LabVIEW R and D, uh, of course, with National Instruments. Welcome, Darren.
3: Thanks. It's great to be here, guys.
0: Someone is blowing into the mic. <laughs>
2: that might be my AC.
0: Oh. Uh, maybe Chris can you can mute your mic if you're not uh, speaking. So let's let's get started with this uh, with the show. Uh, So as we mentioned in uh, kind of our announcement leading up to this show, uh, our show today is called um, there's a title and it's called sustainable careers in LabVIEW. And uh, you know, we're all uh, LabVIEW professionals or we use LabVIEW kind of as our primary tool of choice in our, in our careers. And uh, to be able to um, have a long Healthy career in in the world of LabVIEW. There are certain things that we all do to try to uh, to maintain that. Um, So I guess I would start by asking some of the uh, asking you, Chris. uh, Maybe you can uh, talk a little bit about some of the things that uh, some of the key moments in your career that uh, kind of indicated to you that uh, this LabVIEW thing is is going to be. What you're going to be doing for 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 the rest of your career? I know now you're not working as much in in Labview as as you were initially, but uh, at some point you kind of had a turning point where you said, "Okay, this is this is what I'm going to do."
2: Sure. Um, so, people might know might not know my history. I'm actually not an engineer um, by trade. I I did uh, science physics at college, um, and when I left college, I worked for a company called the CSIRO in Australia, which is a a large, like 80,000-employee, uh, government-funded company that uh, does research and development for Australian industry. Um, and I worked there for a long time as a thin-film physicist, uh, and one of the machines we uh, we had, we were sending to a customer, and there was kind of some tricky sequencing that needed to be done. So I'd done a little bit of LabVIEW in college, and I figured this would be a great place to, to implement a little bit of control with LabVIEW. Um, and that essentially sealed my fate um, for two reasons. Um, first one is that I enjoyed it so much, and you know, it's it's like the first time you make an LED go on when like a physical LED go on when you're using LabVIEW. It's a very exciting time. Um, the other uh, the other reason it sealed my fate, I guess, is that I then was the guy who knew LabVIEW. Um, and we had a, uh, a site-wide license and then uh, another project came up where someone needed something automated and then someone else in a different division needed something automated. So sure enough, I was slowly but surely stepping away from being a, a research scientist and, and becoming a, uh, an automation engineer. So That was, that was my turning point um, and I'm very thankful for it too.
1: So it was self-taught, just kind of out of necessity. You didn't necessarily uh, seek out lab; you it it just uh, happened, and, and you enjoyed it.
2: Right. I mean, I, I did. We did some classes in college, um, but the classes, as as a physicist, we were able to choose whatever language we wanted. Mm-hmm. And I recall, um, one of our assignments was to uh, to code up an FFT. So me being the the entrepreneurial kind of guy that i am as i opened a vi dropped down the fft primitive (laughs) applied in some controls and indicators and handed in uh for my assignment the uh the tutorial leader was a little upset that i did that he gave me full marks, because he suggested i should not do that again i'm like why wouldn't i this is this is insane i mean graphical programming is where it is and i might as well use what's available um but then yeah most of my um certainly my early career in LabVIEW was self-taught before a lot of the uh, the training, the wonderful training um, capabilities that are available now came around.
1: Yeah, and Chris, if I understand right, uh, you started LabVIEW in uh, ninety early nineties, back when LabVIEW was 90. still written on uh, written on punch cards. Is that right?
2: <laughs> How old do you think I am? <laughs> no, I started. Yeah, I started uh, programming with LabVIEW in nineteen. <laughs> I'm sorry, did that drop <laughs> out? I don't know what the internet connection's like here.
1: Yeah, so been doing LabVIEW uh, over over 20 years now. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, can you can you just briefly talk about uh, so that's where you started? Uh, how w- what are some turning points along the way? Uh, like that's when you became technical, uh, but what are what are some things that got you to where you are today?
2: So I mean, there's there's been a a bunch of kind of major turning points in my career that have really kicked me along the LabVIEW road, um, but probably the biggest. One or the biggest two, I guess. Um, in God, I don't even remember what year it was, but the uh, uh, National Instruments wanted to know locally in Australia. I, I was living in Sydney at the time. Wanted to know if any of us wanted to do the Advanced Application Development course in LabVIEW, um, which is a course that VI Engineering originally wrote that um, that they are then on sold to National Instruments. It's a great course, but at the time the the deal was. Um, because we had a relatively small office, mostly a sales and an applications engineering office, they had to bring someone out from the U.S. to teach it. Uh, so Nancy Hollenbach, one of our, our closest and dearest friends, kind of <laughs> National Instruments called her up and said, "Hey, would you like to go to Australia for a week?" And she's like, well, "Are you sure? Why not?" Um, so she she taught that course, and it was it was such a great course. And even like learning from her um, and all the other people in the room was what th- that's what propelled me to get my CLA. I was a, a certified library developer at the time. That's what pushed me to get my CLA. So that was that was one major turning point. And obviously the second major turning point was uh, moving here to the United States to uh, take up a position at, at probably what is the the premier platinum alliance partner, VI engineering. It's something that I had, had kind of dreamed about for years um, in that I applied for a lot of jobs at different Platinum Alliance partners and and got interviews thinking that I could work for one of them for a few years and then eventually move over to VI but I was fortunate enough to be be hired by VI off the bat so that's that was a huge turning point in my uh, my live view career.
1: So tell us about your first snowstorm after moving uh, from (laughs) Australia.
2: (laughs) Well where I grew up in Australia it actually snows for about two weeks a year so I had seen the white stuff before um, but I remember when we were flying into Detroit my wife and I had flown Sydney to LA, LA to Dallas, Fort Worth, Dallas, Fort Worth into Detroit. So it was about 30 hours worth of travel from wheels up to wheels down. And as we were approaching Detroit, a big storm had come through and they were going to divert us to Chicago. And I was just, I just wanted to punch someone. I'll, I'll be looking like, <laughs> that. But I remember us saying on that flight, what do we know about Detroit? And all we really knew was it gets cold there. <laughs> uh, they make cars, and it's where VI Engineering is. So we, we really kind of came in blind, I guess. Um, but it's, it's a fantastic city. I, I love to, try to I really resonate with it, um, I think. Um, but, yeah, the first, the first snowstorm we had was very exciting. The first cold snap that we had was really cool up until about three weeks into it. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> when does the sun come back out? Um, but I, I mean, I, I've really, well, warmed up, so to speak, to, to winters here. I, I really, I mean, it's a little cool for me now, I must admit. But yeah, I, I really, really like the, the climate here and the people. It's great. It's gotcha. a great town.
1: So so we've got one comment uh, coming in. Love the beard, Chris, uh, before moving on to Darren. I'm uh, assuming so- that
2: uh, comment did not come from my wife. <laughs>
1: Uh, so, yeah, Darren, uh, you started uh, LabVIEW about 15 years ago, what, uh, 99? Uh, tell us a little bit about that, getting started in, in LabVIEW.
3: So, my, my story is a little bit different than Chris's. Uh, I went to school here in Austin, uh, the University of Texas at Austin, and my major was mechanical engineering, and, uh, but... There weren't that many mechanical engineering jobs to be had uh, when I graduated back in late 98, uh, but I really wanted to stay in Austin, and I got a job at NI as an applications engineer. Uh, I had no LabVIEW experience starting at NI, and uh, basically got uh, almost three years of LabVIEW experience by virtue of the work that I did in the applications engineering department, and... uh, The cool thing about being an AE at NI is that it is uh, really a jumping off point for a lot of different careers within NI. Some people move into sales, some people move into marketing, and some people like myself move into R&D. So after I'd been an AE for almost three years, I uh, managed to get a job working in LabVIEW R&D, writing LabVIEW with LabVIEW, essentially. And uh, that's what I've been doing for the past 12 years ever since.
1: Yeah, I understand Uh, you're one of the few people who are writing LabVIEW in LabVIEW. Can you talk a little bit about that kind of programming, I guess, really at the meta level?
3: <laughs> yeah, so there's, as, as everybody who's listening is aware, uh, there's many parts of LabVIEW that are written with LabVIEW itself. Uh, the one I'm probably most known for is QuickDrop. Drop. Uh, there's uh, many other parts of LabVIEW that I've written, like uh, the VI Analyzer Toolkit, and many of the APIs and the palettes, like uh, the Report Generation Toolkit I've worked on. Uh, so the the parts of LabVIEW that can be written with LabVIEW, I've touched just about every single one of those in my 12 years in LabVIEW R&D.
1: So we've got another uh, question coming in. looks like it's from Christian Altenbach. He asks, where am I? Uh, Darren, are you able to help Christian, who is the uh, top poster on the forums, figure out where he is?
3: The the last time I knew, he was in California.
1: It, okay, there you go. Uh, so Christian, you are probably in Venice, California right now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, let's see. Um, so you started in 99, going on 15 years now. Uh uh, fresh, fresh start in AE. What, what was it like going into essentially the computer industry right around Y2K? Do you have any fun stories about that?
3: I, I don't have any Y2K stories in particular, but it was a, a very jarring for me as a mechanical engineering major to jump into the electrical engineering world of National Instruments and its products. Uh, there were, when I started, it's kind of funny. There were several other people that started with me at the same time, and. For whatever strange reason, all of them went to, uh, to work as AEs at another location here in Austin, and I stayed at the corporate office, so I was the only new guy. Uh, around you know, several AEs who had been here for a year or two, and I felt like a complete moron. I mean, every single question that came in, you know, so, some of the most most basic stuff that sh- people learned as double E's. you know, I was having to sort of learn on the job. And uh, e- even though I was surrounded by a lot of experience, it actually made me feel like way worse than if I had been around people that, you know, were all new like me. But you know, as as is hopefully obvious, I eventually sort of, you know, learned, learned what I needed to know to, to keep moving along. But my, my starting experience as an AE was a little bit rough, to say the least.
1: Yeah, so uh, tr- translating that F equals MA to V equals IR, kind of a uh, rough, rough go at it there. <laughs>
3: well, you make it sound easy now, Jack, but it certainly wasn't back then. <laughs>
1: Oh, no. Oh, good grief. Uh, I, I won't get started on all that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, Mike, uh, how about you? I mean, when, when did you start using LabVIEW?
0: Uh, okay, I'm not used to being interviewed. <laughs> I'm used to asking all the tough questions. Yeah, um, back, back at you, buddy. <laughs> I'm supposed to make people cry. Uh, yes. So, uh, I started back... Um, it's interesting how, you know, LabVIEW... People who use LabVIEW they remember the version of LabVIEW but don't actually remember the year. <laughs> which is kind of interesting because um, there've been so many versions. Uh, I I've, re- I've started with LabVIEW three point one point one and that was back when Windows uh, Windows for Workgroups was around and that's you know early nineties I guess. And uh, I started off as a technician in the lab uh, operating operating the test equipment. That uh, was powered by, you know, old technology. Uh, a lot of them were uh, QNX-based uh, OS systems. And uh, I started off in the rechargeable battery industry, uh, testing batteries. <laughs> uh, so I was the guy who would just take the batteries, the AA batteries or AAA batteries, and put them on this huge rack of uh, rechargers to, to test their life cycle. So I started off uh, just being a technician operating the equipment, and then uh, my boss came up to me and said, uh, "You know, we need to we need to create a small lab experiment on the bench where we'll just take a handful of batteries and we'll run some specialized tests that don't run on the equipment. We need you to program a system that'll do that." At the time, um, I was I wasn't trained as a software developer. I was an electrical engineer. I knew how to hook everything up, how to mechanically set it all up, but I didn't know how to automate it with software. I wasn't, uh, hmm. aside from basic, you know, see, you know, create a calculator or something like that. Um, I did uh, study, you know, interfacing uh, in that regard. So uh, when I jumped into it, uh, doing my research, I, I I researched different languages and then I found out this there's this language called LabVIEW and I called up and I I said you know come and show it to me so an NI salesperson comes in he opens up his laptop and starts demoing how he can turn an LED on and off he can uh, hey we can do animation really you can do animation in LabVIEW show me and he put down a picked ring with different pictures <laughs> in a picked ring and in a loop and said hey look I can make a, a dog jump an, an animated dog and I said oh wow LabVIEW does animation I want that <laughs> Um, little did I know that that was <laughs> smoke and mirrors, but uh, yeah. So uh, I just I just jumped in and uh, started coding this thing up, and it was really it was it was hard to get started. Uh, I got to be honest with you, it was the learning curve was pretty steep, uh, mainly because there at the time there was not really any structured training. Um, there was no online community to. That I can recall, except InfoLabView was just starting around that time. Uh, actually, I don't even know if it was running at that time, but uh, it, was the, it was the time of BBSs, let's put it this way. Uh, so, uh, in order to get uh, software updates from an I you had to actually dial in to a BBS, a, a board, and then download a file from an That's That's how long ago it was.
2: Quick question, Mike. What what's a BBS? <laughs>
1: Bulletin
0: board system.
1: <laughs> and and then so later that week you founded Lava, and then uh, the next week became uh, one of the best Lavi programmers uh, on on Earth. Uh, hey, I,
0: I I didn't even know how to create a secondary dialog to pop up. Um, <laughs> that's how that's how stuck I was. I, I, I couldn't. It's like I know you can actually click a button and a, and a window can pop up but how do I actually do this? Okay, and there was nothing that in the manuals that said, okay, this is how you do it. It was kind of, you know, you'd have to browse through and experiment. And until I went to um, an NI user group, and uh, it was actually a a sales presentation or something, and there was an Alliance member. That's kind of my first exposure to the whole world of, oh, you can actually have a career in LabVIEW. Uh, Because there was an Alliance member there doing a presentation and they said, oh, check out our cool app. And they were clicking buttons and all these dialogues were popping up. And I went up to the guy after and said, how did you make this dialogue pop up? (laughs) I can't. I don't know how to do it.
1: Yeah, I I had the same experience. My first application, uh, well, the VI, right, because uh, not even using sub-VIs at the time, Uh, just a big flat sequence frame where I dropped all of my terminals in the first frame and called it uh, variable declarations. In the second frame, I wired all the constants to the locals and called it uh, variable initialization. And it only went downhill from there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my, my first uh, start with LabVIEW was a pretty rough go at it. Yeah, like all you other guys, uh, I've got a mechanical uh, degree also, also electrical. Uh, but I, I was doing solid engineering, definitely not software uh, engineering.
0: And it it seems like that's kind of the trend is, um, from what I see, there's, I don't know if I've met anyone who's kind of software trained that is doing LabVIEW. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, there's basically, because we we actually have one of the questions that says, you know, how many people uh, are trained in something else that are into LabVIEW? And I would say that pretty much everyone has some other background other than software uh, that's doing LabVIEW.
1: Yeah, pretty pretty large base, I would say for sure. So yeah, uh, also unlike you other guys uh, who started in the 1900s with LabVIEW, uh, I, I started here fairly recently, uh, like 2006. Uh, absolutely did not expect that uh, my entire career tra- trajectory would really be uh, towards doing more and more LabVIEW. Uh, over the years, so yeah, sounds like we've all had some pretty uh, in- interesting experience getting up and started uh, using LabVIEW. So we had one comment over here from uh, Brian Powell, uh, longtime LabVIEW R&D, uh, one of the guys who. Uh, uh, what when did Brian start LabVIEW two or so? He says uh, InfoLabVIEW started in 1988, uh, so that may have even a little bit predated. Uh, we also have another question rolling in from. Uh, Steve Watts, he just asked, what was your most fun project? Darren, how about you? Uh,
3: Well, I've worked on a lot of projects in LabVIEW R&D since joining in 2001. And uh, the ones I had the most fun with, honestly, are the ones that deal with LabVIEW scripting, Uh, just using LabVIEW to create LabVIEW. Uh, I worked on a, um, a, a product a few years back where Uh, There was this nice, fancy UI, and uh, it was written sort of as a different model of computation for DSP programmers. And uh, they had a UI in which they, you know, constructed a diagram that made sense to them. And under the hood, uh, it was just a ton of... Uh, FPGA scripting, you know, scripting code that ran on the FPGA, uh, single-cycle time loop, uh, four-wire protocol type stuff. And that was a lot of scripting. I worked on that project for two or three years and uh, pretty much had fun with it the the entire way. There, I've, I've had many other projects like that as well.
1: Yeah, that's huge. Uh, and, Darren, just, like, enabling something like that, basically what you're doing is enabling people to write in a... Uh, in terms that make sense to them, and more of a declarative sense, and then you're just taking care of the underlying stuff, you know, uh, through through the meta programming. Uh, that's that's one really exciting topic that we won't necessarily dive into today. Uh, but yeah, the uh, just that level of abstraction that you're able to create writing LabVIEW uh, from within LabVIEW. Uh, Chris, any uh, what what are some of your most fun projects?
2: Uh, One of the projects I work on right now, as the chief architect of VI engineering, my responsibilities include, obviously, architectures, um, but also a lot of the tools and products that we have internally. Uh, We have a suite of tools uh, under the ATES uh, umbrella, automated test execution software. Um, And it's actually working with LabVIEW and TestStand, um, one of the kind of the, the... the, the open areas that I think is, is in uh, test engineering is that link between LabVIEW and stand. So I designed and have implemented, implemented a, a plug-in framework of operator interfaces that have user interfaces that they can switch between and, and plug into. And, and, and really, a lot more of it was the design part of it, right? I mean, we all love to hit that run button and see the magic happen. Um, but being able to take the, the time offline and go through you know real design cycles with some of the some of the best test and lab you people that I know to, to design that architecture and then see it implemented. Um, a lot of our projects use that architecture, and it's a matter of we have a you know toolboxes of of generic UIs that um, some of the projects use, but it's kind of extensible in that if you have a UI requirement that's a little bit out of the box. Um, you can extend one of those UIs to be able to do it. So to be able to be part of that process from from the start and and see it, you know, grow and mature and actually be useful to people is is extremely gratifying to me.
0: So um, I I would say that uh, I mean I've worked through a lot of cool projects, um, you know, from aircraft landing gear tester to you know rocket tester and all that stuff. Um, but um, you know, I, I could I could say that those are fun because of the hardware and the different things that we're testing. However, I'm gonna be a little bit different, I guess, and say that uh, <laughs> my my most fun experience I'm having is right now with uh, actually a uh, product manager of VIPM. Um I'm sure a lot of you have heard of VI Package Manager, and this is not gonna be a, a marketing marketing pitch, but um, the reason why I, I enjoy it is because the it gives me the chance to interact with hundreds and potentially thousands of people and, uh, bring some joy to, to their everyday work, uh, environment. For example, uh, when I add a feature that, you know, people have been asking for and makes their life a lot easier in the app and, you know, gets them to do something cool with, you know, reuse, releasing their packages or their reuse libraries. Um, that excites me, and also the interface with you know getting feedback and implementing stuff and, and all that thing, uh, just the interaction with uh, with the customers on that basis is kind of fun because uh, normally when you're developing a project, yeah, you're developing for a specific customer. And maybe maybe you know four or five people might use that system and and uh, do cool things with it, but with with product development on the scale that I'm doing with VIPM it uh, has a larger impact in that it affects thousands uh, out there, which which I find that exciting and fun.
1: Yeah, man, I, I can totally echo exactly what you just said. And really it's uh, being able to uh, connect with people, uh, not just as a product developer, but you know, as a manager, uh, you're getting in and learning more about their people, uh, the, the people using the product, uh, their use cases, their experiences with it. Uh, one, one very, uh, very important aspect of making sure that product's going to be successful is making sure that people have uh, good experiences with it. You know, they're, they're not necessarily getting frustrated trying to use what, whatever it is you've uh, created, but rather y- you hope that they feel delighted in uh, getting in and connecting and talking uh, with other engineers and, and users. Uh, that, that's absolutely one of the most fun things that I'd say uh, as, as a product manager. Uh, getting to connect with those people. So here's, uh, we've yes, got I
2: two more. to, to say that, that there's a really good VI Shots podcast with that Mike did with Fabiola de la Cueva about that whole user experience. Um, and it's definitely well worth a listen. I mean, it echoes a lot of what you just said and goes kind of into a deeper dive. Um, so I can recommend that.
1: Absolutely recommend that. And uh, uh, Fabiola is here joining us today. One thing she said to you, Darren, is uh, when she was in AE, apparently she was an AE at NI while you were also, or maybe you had uh, gone on to R&D at that point. But she says, I always thought you knew it all, did not uh, realize that you had a rough start in the EE world. Uh, I, I think she meant to is- italicize thought you knew it all. Uh, <laughs>
3: Yeah, I, uh, I like I, I, it was the first six months in AE that were really, really terrible, and I think Fabiola probably started a little bit after I'd been there for about six months, so I probably seemed like I had it all together by that point, you know, but that, that first six months was a really, really deep, you know, crevasse that I had fallen into that I had to, you know, crawl out of to actually feel like I knew something on the job. That,
1: that brings up a really good segue into another great question we have um here's uh, Joe Vitali ask do you guys have any advice for a student just starting labview
0: um I'll, I can jump in um, I would say uh, just do everything <laughs> uh, do whatever you can to uh, accelerate your learning in in uh, I assume're we're, we're talking about kind of the labview world and uh, Automation and test engineering and that type of thing. Uh, I, I would say try to expose yourself to as many different aspects of the language as possible. Uh, don't just get stuck into one you know, technology or one pattern in lab. You try to explore um, as many aspects of it as possible. Try to interface with as many different types of hardware that you can. Uh, definitely the, mo- the more experience you can get uh, under your belt, the better. Um, I, I kind of practice the same principle in my my work uh, life, not just when I was in school, but um, actually in school, I just wanted to get through the classes to be honest. <laughs> um, but uh, when I found that when I got into the working world, and especially when I started working with LabVIEW, I found I was kind of energized and I wanted to learn more because with LabVIEW, you can do that very easily. You can just jump in and try stuff. And, uh, early on in my career, I didn't have a lot of opportunities f- from my employees, employer, to uh, get a lot of training, so I had to do a learn a lot of learning on the job. And what I discovered was that uh, you kind of have to make opportunities for yourself to to learn and explore different things. And uh, I would just jump into say, okay, let's let's try this new communication method in LabVIEW because I've never used it before, but I've heard good things about it. Let me just dive into it and try it, and if it works, great. You know, if it doesn't, then I'll le- I learn that. Well, I can't use this because of ABC or whatever. Um, and unfortunately, you kind of have to do that sometime just to 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 learn. Is you have to get your hands dirty.
2: I'd add to that that uh, and, and and obviously Mike's talking with a with a level of passion there, and, and certainly we all remember our college or our younger engineer days where everything is bright and shiny, and you know when you first first start working with LabVIEW, it's exciting and and to be to be honest with you, that excitement doesn't really ever die down. Um, but what you also want to do is surround yourself with with smart people. Um, they they say that you know the the rising tide rises um, lifts all ships. But whether you can do that physically at your college and and speak with your your tutors or your your lecturers or professors, or um, definitely get online and get get involved in a community. And um, I has discussion forums. There's Lava, obviously, and I'm sure you guys are, are going to add links to all the stuff uh, when, when you post this. But if you're a student and you're working on something and you do something that you think is really cool, post it up to something like Lava and say, hey, you know, represent yourself, say, I am a student. This is what I'm working on. Um, because there will be other people that, that are experts in the field will say, look, that's really great. Here's a couple of pointers on how you can do this better or faster or what have you. Same thing goes if you're struggling with something. If you've already tried it three or four times and you just can't get your head around a concept, get it up to the forum, say, I'm a student, I'm struggling with this, please help me. And there's, there's a multitude of people online on both the NI and the LAVA forums that, that will just, just jump to, to help you out.
1: Yeah, Chris, you bring up some good points there. Uh, if if you in your very first sentence say, "Hey, uh, you know, I'm a student. I'm trying to do this. I've already tried uh, this and this. Can you help me figure out what I'm doing wrong?" Uh, there are tons of people out there who are wanting to help uh, help you understand even more and find even more resources. Uh, one thing that I can say personally, and probably resonates for a lot of people is that the absolute hardest uh, post you're ever going to make online, the absolute hardest question you're ever going to ask is that first one. Uh, Once you make uh, that first post, ask that first question, uh, you've set a precedent for yourself. It's really just a personal emotional barrier more than anything, like, oh, am I going to look stupid in front of everyone? Uh, But what you realize very soon is that uh, perhaps those out there asking, quote, the dumbest questions of all are the people who are the most experienced, uh, simply because they are uh, now finally comfortable, hopefully, uh, with asking questions that you don't know and, and showing that little bit of vulnerability. Uh, but what you'll find is, uh, as long as you do show the desire uh, to figure out what it is you're wanting to figure out, um, and then also show what you've also tried you're going to find lots and lots of people out there who are willing to help you uh both technically and uh even with career advice All right. uh,
0: so i i'd like to um start uh wrapping it up i know it's it's we decided to end it up on the hour uh just just some um final questions i know there's a, a We've kind of gone off a little bit on our main topic, but that's great because uh, it was fun listening to all whatever everyone had to say. Um, there, there are some questions, and there are um, some things I guess I'd like to cover. Is uh, you know, uh, going back to the topic of sustainable careers in Labview, uh, what are what are some things? I know we um, we talked a little bit about what we can do to improve ourselves. Uh, just to touch on what, uh, what Chris said as far as, you know, community engagement, um, I know there are uh, things like uh, getting certified and joining kind of the coming to a CLA summit, which we want to plug that's coming up in, in March uh, in Austin. And there's one in Europe. And, uh, you know, I know uh, there's also NI Week as well. And there were some questions about, you know, is NI Week valuable? That's, that's come in as well on the chat. Um, Darren, I know you, uh, you like the CLA Summits a lot and I know you do a lot of presentations as well uh, at I Week uh, and uh, also you do a lot of webinars. Um, talk a little bit about how that has helped you uh, interact and, and also help with your uh, profession as well.
3: Uh, so one one thing that people like to joke about uh, for those of us that work in LabVIEW R&D is that we work in an ivory tower. You know, we've, we're, we're surrounded with one another. We're working on the features of the product itself. And a lot of times, you know, stories about LabVIEW from the real world are, uh, you know, kind of hard to come by just, you know, with with the people that I sit around. And uh, i got to say that's probably one of my primary motivators for my participation at NI Week and uh, CLA Summit and other, other uh, events is that it is extremely helpful for me as a developer of features of LabVIEW to know how LabVIEW is being used out in the real world. And uh, within NI, you know, I've got people like our systems engineers who can also who I can also talk to, uh, who I do talk to frequently, who give me uh, that perspective, letting me know, you know, this feature that you guys developed, it, for this certain use case, people are actually trying to use it for this completely other use case, and you know, multiply that by you know 50, and that's probably the number of times I've gotten feedback on certain parts of the LabVIEW. Maybe not parts that I necessarily worked on, uh, but but features in LabVIEW that that I can you know relay feedback to the owners of, or you know, they can sort of guide me when I'm helping uh, spec out new features. You know, getting that perspective that I've heard from people in the field uh, via discussions at these community-type events. And uh,
0: Jack, you, uh, I know you're a fan of the CLA Summit. Uh, I know this this <laughs> year you actually have, uh, I think, two presentations that, that you're doing. Uh, talk a little bit about that.
1: Oh, boy. Uh, so the CLA Summit. Uh, by by and large, the biggest value that I get out of that is being able to network with other uh, advanced LabVIEW developers, and it's not simply uh, just the just the CLA Summit itself, uh, but it's those relationships that you make uh, that you can call up uh, these guys throughout the next year, saying, "Hey, I'm working on this thing. I know you've done it before." Uh, what what do you think about the direction I'm heading with this? Uh, so really, one of the huge values is simply um, it, it's such a good concentration of uh, cross pollinating with people who are do- doing some really really cool things in Labview. Um, a- as you mentioned, I'm I'm doing a couple of presentations this year. Um, uh, they
0: they. How, how, do, so there, how does the CLA Summit compare to, like, NI Week? Like, is it is NI Week valuable as well?
1: Uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. In NI Week is certainly valuable as well. Uh, you you accomplish uh, two slightly different things there. Uh, within NI Week, you get to go and be wowed by all of the cool things uh, that, that we can see, for instance, on stage. Uh, you get to view uh, lots of very interesting presentations. Um, the CLA summit that's uh, it, it really feels like more of showcasing what actual architects uh, like Darren was saying like those people out in the field working on real projects it's a time to showcase those and uh, try to figure out how to actually, Create these things in LabVIEW and and make it actually happen, uh, which which kind of works into one very final quick question uh, that's a really popular when it's been upvoted. Uh, one person asked, um, "I, let's see. Oh, we have so many popular questions. Uh, but what uh, what advice would you give to someone looking to make it go at becoming an independent LabVIEW consultant?" Uh, without the uh, without the fear of essentially going broke uh, so <laughs> what 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 advice would you give uh, to someone go, going out on their own doing labview?
0: I think da- I think uh, Darren should answer that I don't know <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know I, I've always wondered that question actually, but out of pure curiosity since it's like the complete opposite of what I'm actually doing. Well, I mean uh, Darren, you don't even have a LinkedIn page I mean, yeah, I get so many emails from people wanting to be my friend on LinkedIn, or I don't know if they're called <laughs> friends or whatever, but uh, yeah, that, that's something that I haven't set up yet. You know, you can be my Facebook friend if you want, but uh, I don't I don't really know what, what to do with LinkedIn friend requests right now.
2: So I guess, I mean, I can provide a little bit of insight on that because I was an independent co- contractor for a few years. Um, there's a few things that you need to consider. I mean, obviously, we all, we're all here because we love LabVIEW, but LabVIEW... In in of its own isn't really you know anything that that is particularly you're able to capitalize on in your career going forward. In that you can't just center yourself around that. I think Um, if you're setting up your own company, you're not just going to be the guy that's in the basement coding up LabVIEW stuff. You have to be very customer focused, front facing. You're going to have to do project management. You're going to have to do an element of sales, marketing. You're going to have to shave. You're going to have to shave, <laughs> right? Uh, it's cold here. What do you want from me? Um, you're you're going to have to be all things to the business. Um, so so you really, rather than just saying, I want to go out on my own and be a LabVIEW consultant, you want to look at what, is, what does being a LabVIEW consultant really mean? It, I'm just a programmer. Does that mean I'm going to be available online, and I'll charge, you know, so many dollars an hour to write some code? Or does it mean I'm actually going to build small DAC systems for people? Or... Large DAC systems and work within a um, like a, a, a web of, of different contractors and pull in who you need. So it, it's a kind of a difficult question to answer, depending on what your real motivation is. I mean, the your programming is great, but do you want to do tests? Do you want to do DAC systems for universities? It's it's kind of a a difficult question to answer, and you, you need to have that business acumen and background and drive. I think. I think when, when I, certainly when I was a LabVIEW contractor, that was the part that I rude the most in that I just wanted to code, right? I wanted to plug in some <laughs> DAC cards and get some data in and turn some LEDs on and off. I didn't really want to have to develop the project management relationship with a customer. I just wanted to wow them with some really cool NI stuff. Um, yeah, so- I you need to have that motivation, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I can speak firsthand. Uh, starting a company based on LabVIEW, uh, I was a little bit surprised looking back on the first uh, two years how little time I actually spent coding and then wearing all these other hats uh, that Chris was Brian. mentioning. Uh, so one final uh, question where we can all go uh, around and just answer very briefly. It's, it's a fun question um, before Michael wr- wraps up today. Uh, do you think of yourself as primarily a LabVIEW programmer? or is an engineer who uses LabVIEW as a tool? Uh, I'll
3: I'll answer first, I guess. Um, Whenever somebody mentions a a programming question or an algorithm question or something, uh, I instantly visualize what the LabVIEW diagram looks like in my head that would solve that. So I think that makes me a LabVIEW programmer.
2: Your turn, Mike.
0: Oh really? Because you want the last word? Okay.
2: No, I, I'm just I'm thinking about it.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, well, um, hmm. I I don't like A or B questions because I, I want to pick I want to pick C. Uh, I consider myself as a solutions provider, <laughs> uh, so I if if LabView is part of the mix and is my well, key component, then that's awesome. Then I want to be involved in it. Um, but primarily, um, a lot of customers that I deal with, they want the solution and sometimes they don't even know it's LabVIEW under the hood. Uh, but, uh, you know, so that's kind of, that's kind of what I think of is, you know, I'm just want to solve problems and provide, uh, solutions for, for people. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm the same as Mike. I'm, I'm an engineer. I, LabVIEW is certainly a really important part of my toolbox. And, and like I said before, when you're talking about your career, you don't just, you don't just narrow it down to one of your skills. It's what you actually want to do. So I'm definitely an engineer. I I code in LabVIEW. It makes me happy, so I do it as much as possible as part of my job, and that makes Darren smile, because thank you, Darren, by the way. Um, Thank you for LabVIEW. Uh, Yeah, so you know things like LabVIEW, test and requirements gateway, the whole process is, is all, they're all pieces within my job, and I just happen to really, really enjoy the LabVIEW part of it.
1: Yeah, so I, I describe myself as a chronic engineer. Uh, basically, I'm, it, it's a disease that I'm never going to get over. <laughs> uh, I really enjoy uh, being a product manager, uh, businessman, marketer, uh, but, but I, I especially enjoy when I get to go back and be an engineer. Um, and especially when that tool chain uh, uses LabVIEW. Uh, LabVIEW is just a lot of fun to use. Uh, and it's probably one of my favorite tools uh, in my engineering tool chain. Uh, so yeah, it, it, uh, answer choice D, I guess, for me.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I don't think I know anyone that would just say that they're a LabVIEW programmer. Right? I mean, it's not like I said, you know, what, uh, unless they're on the web. What do you think, Darren?
3: <laughs> is I, that true? I, I would say that I am a LabVIEW programmer, but I am in the- <laughs> I'm in the unique position of being a LabVIEW programmer, writing parts of LabVIEW.
0: Right. And just to clarify, Darren did not invent LabVIEW. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: because- I can't take credit for that. You're right. <laughs> he's,
2: he's, cert- he's certainly grown it and been a very positive
3: influence on it over the last 12 years. I, I sit right by the guy that did invent LabVIEW, though. Well, yeah,
0: well, that's that's pretty cool. That, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, but I, I wouldn't want to be in that position, because I would be constantly bothering him, like, can you? Add, why, why can't you add this? No, we, we should add this. We should add that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, uh, this is this has been an awesome first of Vi shots live. Uh, it's too bad we have to end it. Darn. Uh, I have. There's so much. There's so many more questions that we haven't answered from our uh, Q and A on Google Plus. So. Um, for those of you that asked the questions and didn't get answers, we're, we're really sorry. And uh, I'm sure we're going to have uh, these same guests or others back again, that we can uh, have more opportunity to ask questions. And maybe we can take it in one uh, uh, a specific direction, like there's a lot of things that came up which actually could be a show just on its own. Um, so hopefully we can come back with some more ideas for how we can um, uh, continue. Uh, so yeah, so we've come to the end of the show. Uh, I'd like to thank, uh, first and foremost, Jack Denaway from Wirebird Labs, uh, for co-hosting and helping with the production of the show. Uh, Jack, you had some awesome questions and you helped out with the, with the promotion and the marketing and all that. So, uh, I'd like to thank you.
1: Yeah, sure thing. Thanks, Mike. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing it again here in February.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, of course, I'd like to thank uh, Darren Nattinger from National Instruments. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks, guys. And also uh, Chris Relf from Via Engineering.
2: Anytime. And Chris Relf's beard. <laughs> <laughs> I must say, for the record, my wife actually likes my beard. Otherwise, I wouldn't have it. Let's, let's, let's be honest.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, <laughs> let's talk about beards. Okay. <laughs>
2: Um, as I said this the other I'm trying to emulate one of the, the greatest live View coders that I know Bob Hamburger not Jack Dunaway
0: <laughs> love it uh, so uh, if you want to send comments and feedback tell, tell us what you liked about this show did you even like it um, we want to do more if we don't get feedback we'll think that it was horrible so if you don't give us feedback we'll be sad uh, so please send us feedback to feedback at vishots.com If you want to connect to future episodes, uh, you can view the archives of the show, uh, this recording at vishots.com slash live. And uh, just in case you missed this one, uh, the best way to get notified of upcoming live events uh, is to subscribe to the V.I. Shots mailing list uh, at vishots.com slash subscribe. And uh, from all of us, bye-bye and thank you.